Good morning and welcome to the Mr. Elf Podcast. I'm your host, Jamie Montrum. It is Monday, December 9th, morning after the Redskins 20-15 loss at Green Bay. Here to talk about that, it's the guy who knew all about Matt LaFleur back when Sean McVay was just a thorn in Jay Gruden's side. It's Matt Turrell. Hi, Jamie. Our our long national nightmare is over. We, the, the playoff dream is dead. I know. I didn't even get the one thing I, I really wanted this holiday season, which was a playoff picture graphic with the Redskins in the hunt. Well, that's because they're not in the hunt for anything except a new head coach. Um, I was so scared they were going to win that game yesterday. What? Why? Because, because oh, because you want you were afraid of like the miracle run would somehow keep Bill and Callahan possibly and possibly Bruce Allen and just the status quo and it would reinforce everything. I was it really felt like the sort of thing they would do. You know, I, this this had the feel of one of those like uh, late season Redskins runs where nobody believes in them. Only this time I was on the I don't believe in them either side. Um, it was I don't know. Right. This was enough. Them winning two in a row and and having like the single digit percentage chance of winning out and Dallas losing out. Like this was enough to get me for the first time all season to find an illegal stream and watch at least some. Wow, that is a that is dedication. Yeah, I know. I and here's the thing: all the Callahan and Allen stuff. With that in mind, I still I root to win the game. Like, I, I can't root for tanking. I can't root for them to lose because I want the president gone or what. Like, I have to root for them to win the game. And I was. So it was, like, mildly disappointing. that. They yeah, I was. Uh, I don't know what I was rooting for because I agree. It's really hard to sit there and actively be like, I like this team so much that I hope they don't win. Um, but at the same time, I, I really didn't want, and I especially didn't want them to win uh, playing ugly because can we agree that that was a really ugly football game? Oh, it's all. I mean, it's so hard. It, that's the thing. It was so hard to root for them to win because it was just frustrating. Like you couldn't, they couldn't move. The, I mean, so I guess the two. I'll start with the two positives. So it's not just a gripe fest. They seem to have discovered like the run game, or at least an effective running game here in the you know later portion of the season. And also the defense was respectable. The def- at times but, and in places. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, but, but yeah, at times and in places, it always felt like if it was like third and five that Rodgers was going to get it. Like if Green Bay needed it, I always felt like they were going to get it. And part of that was I felt like the it seemed that every, every situation like that, the Redskins were only rushing three guys. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers had like 18 seconds to but hasn't ball. that been the way it feels like for years and I don't say this just to gripe but it, it always feels to me like the defense is really good on the less important downs but for some reason whenever sort of push comes to shove something breaks down it feels like that's been happening forever right this, this is, is the way, the way. Um, I don't know I, I like did you listen to the uh, NBC Sports podcast the after the game They were, JP especially, was remarkably positive coming out of the game. But all three of the guys were sort of like, hey, you know, it was respectable. They really, you know, you got to give them some credit for showing up. And I was like, I don't. I really don't feel that. I felt like it was a mediocre game 
uh, by an outmatched team, and I felt like Green Bay was barely trying. That was my takeaway on this game. Yeah, I mean, it was respectable in the sense that, like, earlier in the season, they were getting their asses kicked by the New York Giants. You know, so this is improvement. I Sure, I just don't feel like Green Bay tried. I really felt like they were like, whatever. You know, like, if we need to win this game, we'll win this game one way or another. And I, I just, I there was no point where it felt to me like Green Bay was running scared or anything like that. You know, I don't know. I just, I, I, I left with a very, not even a bad taste. Just, I was just kind of like, well, that was, at least now we get to the meaningful part of the season, which is to say uh, the off season. <laughs> well, I mean, the downside of, of, I guess like the, the, on the side of, of it not being a respectable showing was Dwayne Haskins had less than a hundred yards passing until the final drive. I'm not sure how that's possible in the modern NFL, but it's, it's of, I mean, it's consistent with where they've been. Here's the passing yardage for the Redskins quarterback. I'm going to go back. I'm just going to stick, stick with Haskins since he started starting against Buffalo. Is mm-hmm. that right? He st- that was his first start post Keenum was Buffalo week nine, I think. Yeah. Uh, 144, 214, 156, 147. And then yesterday, thanks to about 75 yards on the final drive, 170. I mean, how is it possible in 2019 that you're averaging well under 200 yards passing a game. Well, I mean, the easiest way that would be possible is if you weren't actually a very good quarterback, which is where I think there's some concern. How do you feel about Haskins at this point? Do you have concerns? I don't know. I mean, it's tough yesterday because he was hobbling around most of the time. It just, know, it's, like, which I, I, I don't know why he was in the game. You know, he seemed like a sitting duck back there. He, I mean, he was visibly limping with every step whether that was in play or just walking around on the sideline. And I know he's getting a lot of credit or it seems like he's getting a lot of credit for toughing it out and showing leadership and other intangibles. But man, I mean, it seemed pretty evident that like that dude shouldn't have been playing yesterday. Yeah. I mean, so what, what I heard is that, you know, the, the thinking was that there was no, it wasn't going to get injured further. If he could manage the pain, he could stay in the game, which Makes sense to a point, except that even if your movement is limited, you're going to get hit more and getting hit more puts you at more risk. I don't know. It was a really weird, questionable decision. Um, I don't feel that strongly about it. I know some people after the game were like fired up and and calling it like reckless on Callahan's part. And there were some other people who were fired up, as you said, and and calling it like a really, you know, gutty performance by Haskins. Uh, I had really neither reaction. Well, I guess I'm also kind of in the middle. I wasn't like too worried about his health. You know, I didn't think he was necessarily like exposed to greater injury risk than he would be. Otherwise I was just like, dude, I'm, I'm watching like me and my son are watching and rooting for the team. I'd like a chance to win. It did not seem like having a quarterback on one leg was the best way to go. Traditionally, not your ideal situation. It's true. Um, and I don't even know. I don't even know. Like, is Case Keenum healthy these days? I, I have no idea. I know he came in and took the final snap a couple weeks ago. It seems healthy to me. I mean, he's yeah. he's I think he's healthy. I think they want to see what they have in Haskins. My concern at this point, among my many concerns, is Haskins, not only have I not seen a ton um, performance-wise, 
But like, this is the second game where afterwards he's made sure to let everybody know just how injured he was and how much it hurt. And mm-hmm. I, I don't, it just, it, there's just a weird feeling to it. You know, yeah. it feels yeah. like something my kid would do. Um, do. Do you get that at all? Or am I being, am I being a total, you know, hot take artist here? No, I think that comes along with it. Like if you're going to put any, if you're going to put any weight in like him showing true toughness and leadership, like true grit by playing like I would, I would say it's also fair on the other side to be like, well, you know, you, you should do that, but without talking about it. And just the way he talked about it, like the, the, the phantom wrist injury was the other one. Uh, I forget which game that was after, but it was one of the games where, as you point out, his statistics were lacking and suddenly it turns out, you know, that there was this wrist injury, the whole, there's a strange vibe coming off of him, which I don't want to say because I've been getting really frustrated listening to some other podcasts where I feel like some people are taking shots at Haskins that I, you know, I don't want to say racially motivated, but there certainly feels like a lot of um, assumptions being made based on stereotypes that I'm not entirely comfortable with. And I really, really, really don't want to wind up um, being even remotely perceived as being in that boat. I just, there's something strange uh, about the way he handles his post-game interviews. I feel like he's really not comfortable with it and it's leading to some really like really awkward stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm looking at it like dude's, dude's numbers are just awful. <laughs> like I, that's, that's my biggest thing is like, I, I want him to be the guy and I want like the, him to be good enough in, in like, you know, in, in this evaluation of his rookie season that they don't have to go get another guy. But I don't know how at this point, how you could be like, yeah, I think we're good with him. Like, I don't know what he's shown that would make anyone think this is the guy going forward. I don't know either. And my, my big concern with that is it seems like a very real possibility that it, assuming there is a change in leadership and assuming they go on a general manager hunt and on a coach hunt, it, it seems like there's a real possibility that Snyder would say, you know, we're looking for somebody who can, you know, maximize the value of Dwayne. And if, if there is value there and he can be developed, then that's great. But if he's just not that good, then that would lead us into this important decision being made based on a faulty premise, which is like, uh, it's like starting from a bad spot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the season also, I mean, really coming in and and coming out, it's like kind of all about him. And I mean, I'm, I'm doing like the real time, like stat sniffing here on the podcast, but like his last four weeks, here are his completion percentages. I already went through the yardage. His completion percentages the last four weeks, 54, 44, 52, 59. Those are, that's, that's a yeah, business. That's bad. And I mean, I don't know. You could say the receivers aren't getting separation or the line sucks. Like, I don't know, I guess. But in the modern NFL, to be below 60% four straight weeks and well below three of those weeks. And this is with an offense that yesterday, Peterson and Geis on 25 carries had 118 yards. Like consistent production on the, on the ground. You would think just the threat of the run would open things up for the pass game. I, I, I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of wallowing in, in how, how bad the, the measurables are here. Yes, um, but I mean, we're also at some point speaking of the running stats, going to have to talk about the problem, the worries about guys. Like he, mm-hmm. 
you hate to say injury prone, but at some point, the simple fact of the matter is he gets injured a lot. And mm-hmm. I don't know, like it, you say, if we say the whole season was a referendum on Haskins, which is true, it was also a referendum on Geis. And we had this sort of idea that, uh, you know, even if it's not a good season, we'll get to see this glimpse of the future. And these, you know, young guys were going to be such a big part of what's coming up. And I guess evaluating them includes the possibility of them not being good, but it'd be really dis- depressing to walk away and say that, you know, you know, Haskins isn't good and Geis is good, but just can't stay on the field. And that's, that's where we land. That's a really bleak end to the season. So what is the guy's situation? It was, he may have suffered a sprain. Yeah, yeah, that's what, I mean, that was what they were reporting. I think unless something's come up in the last like 10 minutes, I went right before we started recording. I did look just to see if there was any news and there had not been yet. Um, but I mean, even if he escapes with no major injury, it's how many games has he left, you know, been unable to finish due to injury. It feels like, roughly as many as he's been able to finish and just off the top of my head um with a super light workload and in there that doesn't even count games that he didn't start because he was already injured and um i don't know i like i i i did not come away with a whole ton of positives after this game on on any level um i just it made me sad to be honest yeah oh just one thing on the guys I mean, there's very good chance he doesn't play another down this season. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to say that's probable or whatever, but good chance. Through his first two seasons, he would have had played in five games with a total of 49 touches. That I mean, it's basically two lost seasons. Absolutely a lost first season. And, and this year, you know, really got less than a third of the action. And making that all the more disappointing is like he seems to be pretty yeah. good. Like he seems like a good player and like a really fun, not just player but also yeah. I mean, he's the kind of guy. Like it sucks that he's got these he's faced all this injury problem. I hope you know you said he may not take another snap snap this season. I hope he doesn't. Uh, at this point, I don't need to evaluate him further. Give him as much time as humanly possible to get healthy, and. Just hope that whoever, you know, maybe is part of the offseason overhaul, thanks to Trent Williams' comments, maybe they overhaul the medical staff too and, and something changes. But I don't know, man. This is uh, – it's uh, not not great, man. Well, I'm bummed. I was all ready to jump on, like, the, the fun, ridiculous, like, playoff track. Right. I mean, there was – being being four and nine and just rooting for the Redskins to win the division at seven and nine and for the NFCs to get relegated to the XFL. Like I was, I was here for and me too. And I was, I was also, I was excited at a minimum to have a real rooting interest in tonight's Monday night game and to, you know, really like care um, because of the playoff thing. But now. Oh, I had a blast rooting against Dallas. Yeah, it was great. Night. It was wonderful. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't know, man. I got nothing else on this. I, do you think they make, there were, so there were, you, there were those rumors that people keep hinting that a front office shakeup may be coming sooner than later with the implication being uh, that it might be this week. I believe when they made the move to Bruce from Vinny 10 years ago, it was like the 15th or the 17th or something. So right about this week uh, equivalent wise, you, do you think something happens this week? I don't think so, but I mean, wouldn't that be great? You know, like the Panthers 
fired their head coach who took them to a Super Bowl like three years ago and was roughly 500 in Ron Rivera. And like, like he's already gone. He's been gone for a week. And it's immediately like a head scratcher. Like, wow, I mean, that was a little rash. But then you're like, dude, there's going to be seven or eight head coach openings this offseason. If we want a good one or at least like be able to like evaluate everyone before they get gobbled up, we need to start this shit. Well, and it, the Redskins will not start. And it's shit. not even just the practical get everyone before they get gobbled up. I mean, the owner of the Panthers went on, talked to somebody uh, on air and said, I-, I wanted to start looking for a coach and I didn't want to do it behind Ron Rivera's back. That didn't seem like a good way to be conducting business. So, you know, I made it official, which just, mm-hmm. can you imagine the Redskins organization doing anything that transparently or with that level of, I guess you could kind of call it class. No, no, I can't. Um, so I guess the, I, I, what I'm saying is I don't think that they'll shake things up uh, at least until the off season, at which point things will get shook and then all the coaches will be gone. <laughs> we'll probably end up with Bill Callahan or some dude from like. It seems State. to me that the times they've made shakeups in the past, they don't make the firing move until they already have the subsequent move lined up. Like if you look um, when they fired Vinny, the announcement of firing Vinny came out at like 630 in the morning. And then by 10 in the morning, they had announced Bruce Allen's hire. Like Snyder doesn't do searches he's he's he doesn't do transparency so i I think if we see a move it will be accompanied by the next announcement right on its heels um if that doesn't happen i'll actually be very happy because it means maybe they really are treating this differently so do you think it'll be uh chris cooley gm and brian mitchell head coach in that order or well i mean i think you're forgetting the the alex smith as gm possibility that uh i feel like jp finley keeps floating um subtextually so if we make alex smith the gm because he can't play i feel like cooley maybe suited as offensive coordinator um Mm -hmm. who who can we make head coach who's just sort of a real politician ex-player man Trying to, I mean, I I'm immediately going to like the the Clinton Portis. Fred oh, you know, you know Fred Smith. Fred Smith's the yeah. defensive coordinator. No, you get London Fletcher as the head coach. Yeah. That's who oh, you get. Yeah, he would perfect. bring the right level of gravitas to just standing there apologizing for losses. I think London could really do a great job with that. So, when Alex Smith is the head of this administration, how much do we have to hear about the fact that he went six and three as the Redskins start? Um, almost as much as we have to hear about the fact that he turned down whichever Ivy League school it was that he turned down so that he could go play football. Uh, those are going to be the two, the two major talking points when Alex Smith is running things here. Well, the Redskins aren't going to make the playoffs. Are we going to keep doing this? Yeah, might as well. I mean, it's, it's always nice to catch up. Um, we can keep them short from now on. Do we have a Mandalorian update this week? Uh, I think I'm caught up. I think the the last one I I I watched it was all about the community. Uh, you know, like the the there's the pods that. Oh yeah, no, there's been one know. since then. Uh, which. Oh, there's yeah there's a new one. Um, okay. I'm, I'm one I'm one. Back. Yeah, did you enjoy that one back? Oh yeah, it's nice. Yeah, it's it's, it's a real nice sort of hangout show. You check in with your friends for thirty days. They have a little or for thirty minutes. They have a little adventure, and then they, you know you move on. It's 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 not one that I find myself sort of stewing in and wanting to think about, but it's a really pleasant weekly experience. 
I really, I, I am really looking forward to each new episode. I, I think I, I really enjoy the adventure of the week format as long as it's propelling some larger narrative and we'll see how that develops, you know? Um, yeah, I'm really in on it. You know, what's really pleasant about the Mandalorian is I and others like me, um, who are not star Wars people that are watching it, uh, all seem to enjoy it. I haven't heard one person that's not like a, you know, star Wars person be like, yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> like every single person. Is yeah. Like and, but it, it does feel to me like a lot of the positivity is in this sort of real amiable way. I feel like usually when things get popular and people are positive about them, there's this idea that like, it is the greatest, this is the best uh, you know, whatever, the best action dramedy that there's ever been or what the hell ever. But this time I feel like people are like, yeah, man, it's cool. Baby Yoda's pretty cool. It's uh, it's fun. They didn't screw it up. And like, that's actually kind of nice. It's kind of refreshing. Did you see the Ringer uh, viral um, Baby Yoda Hamilton mashup? Yes. Yes. Well uh, I was, I was really, I was impressed with it both on the level of like, I like Hamilton. My family likes Hamilton. I like Baby Yoda. My mm-hmm. family likes Baby Yoda. It was a l- literal smash hit in my household with members of my family <laughs> watching it again and again. But I was also just really impressed with the, um, as, as somebody who used to work in the internet, it was just masterfully executed. It got like 2.3 million views the last time I, I happened to see a tweet with it. It was just, it was a really impressive piece of uh, content building and meme making. Yeah. I'm consistently impressed by The Ringer. I think they speak to a lot of my interests and, and things I'm enthusiastic about. Um, but what I do find interesting is that, like, for a site that, you know, started by a guy who is known for, you know, whatever, 2,000-word columns, 3,000-word, 4,000, whatever, running diaries, um, so little of what I consume from them is text-based. And it's mostly pods and web videos like this because they do – not just parodies or like one-off kind of viral meme things, but also like, you know, NBA desktop is like a weekly 10 minute show that I watch with my kid on YouTube. You know, I mean, and they're, they're pretty consistently cranking out like video and audio, audio content that is, uh, you know, pretty habitually used by the Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with uh, pretty much everything you just said. Um, I'm sure if the Patriots go back to the Super Bowl somehow, they will be uh, completely insufferable. But for the moment, I like it. I also like that. I think they're really nimble, which I admire. Um, there's another some other podcast that I subscribe to when they were doing Game of Thrones stuff um, pivoted uh, this this you know, month or whatever mm-hmm. to covering um, his dark materials, which is the adaptation of a fantasy novel that's on, I think HBO. I, I don't remember what it's on. It doesn't matter. Maybe it's Netflix. Maybe it's prime. I have no idea. It's on something, but it appears to have been the wrong move. Like his dark materials has gotten like no traction. It's I hear no conversation about it. No <laughs> one cares. Whereas the ringer was like, we're going to cover something. And then all of a sudden they are like 97% baby Yoda because they can do that. <laughs> well, it's funny. I, I noticed in their nav bar uh, the other day, like the topics along the, along the top, it was NBA, NFL, Mandalorian. And then like everything else was after that, you know, Mandalorian was its own like section. And that section was larger than everything well, else other than the not to get too granular but they sure picked the right time to name mallory rubin uh massive fan of star wars 
massive fan of the Ravens and Lamar Jackson uh, as their editor in chief, like really could not have lucked out more steering into someone who was going to lead the site to, you know, automatically by her own interest to, to what's currently popular. So that was a, that was a fortunate bit of timing for them. Well, and just going back to the Patriots thing for a moment, I, it struck me yesterday with the NFL is like how much I'm rooting for one of these insurgent teams in, in opposition to the Patriots, you know, like the chiefs and Ravens, two teams I have no, you know, affinity for, I want to see them so much more, you know, in the playoffs, in the big playoff moments than the Patriots yet again. Like it would just, it would just make the the playoffs so much better if that, if that was the way it went. Agreed. Uh, the Patriots, I think suffer not only from familiarity, but also because like they, they're what's been so impressive about them over their run is sort of this meticulous way. They just grind out teams. Like they just figure out what you're bad at and they beat you at it in this like methodical fashion. Um, it's not, flashy and exciting and like cool to watch even it's just it's it's like watching wood being fed into a chipper so even it's hard to even celebrate their success in the sense of like well you know it could be it could be brady's last farewell i remember when brett Favre retired and everybody sort of got like oh you know we're, we're gonna miss good old brett he's like a kid out there uh, and i have none of that for brady i want him to go away i want the patriots to go away and i'm totally sick of them yeah, and I mean, I'd be hyped for the Chiefs or the Ravens in like a conference championship or the Super Bowl. I don't know who would move the needle for me in the NFC. It's got to be, it's gotta be the like Niners, I, right? I mean, I, I, I'm really on board with George Kittle because we have a partnership with him with Breaking Tea. And I think he's awesome and he's having a great year, etc. But I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't like necessarily get fired up about the Niners. So the Niners. Here's my. Here's my. Uh, here's my pitch. The Niners. Um, from our perspective, there's the Kyle Shanahan vague interest. From the Patriots Schadenfreude perspective, there's the Jimmy Garoppolo thing. Um, there's. I feel like there's one other thing. Don't they have some history with the Ravens? I don't know. I feel like that could. Well, the one other thing I think for me is like they are not the Saints, Seahawks, Packers like the teams that have had the same quarterback and kind of been contending for several years. I'm not real interested in that. It's almost like a, a new England light yeah. sort of factor. Um, you know, so I, I guess I would go San Francisco just, you know, because of the isn't, rest it of the crowd. A, isn't it a Super Bowl rematch? Is that what I'm thinking in my head? Isn't Ravens uh, Niners a Super Bowl rematch? That would be Flacco yeah. Kaepernick. Yeah. So, You've got that going. So, so there's a narrative there. There's 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 something to like there. I'm so furious with the Seahawks for the dumbest reason in the world, which is fantasy football related. So I, the Seahawks, I hope they lose every game from now until the end of time. <laughs> well, there's just a lack of freshness with, you know, like some of these, a lot of these teams that have had the same quarterback for several years because the quarterback is so much a part of the experience and so much a part of like the brand, so to speak, for lack of a better term, that, yeah, I just want to see some new blood. It was even fun watching the Bills yesterday, even though Josh Allen had a very Haskins-esque. I would love to see the Bills make some noise. I, I agree with you. I mean, if if we went into the playoffs with like eight new teams, I would be beyond ecstatic. It would be amazing. So I'm with you, man. Yeah, I do like the format though. Like I was thinking with college football this weekend, um, the 14 thing is so limiting. 
And even though I think they have they like the outcomes made it easy and they got the four right teams with no real debate, uh, it would be so much more fun if it was like an NFL size. Agreed. And you had some like underdogs and there was like some, you know, I don't know, like it's just basically like the final four is great and so much better than it used to be. Um, But you've got all these periphery teams, peripheral teams that uh, would be a lot more. Yeah. I mean, I think even in, in, on the basketball side, I think we can all agree that like the sweet 16 is probably usually more fun to watch just from a viewing standpoint than it is when you narrow it down to the final four, even if you get a pretty good final four, it's just, you want to see that many elimination games. It's fun. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know, whatever the college, not to open the college football debate, but like, if Utah had won the Pac-12 championship on Friday night and was sitting there at one loss and like they got in over Oklahoma at one loss in the big 12 or vice versa, like that ain't right. I mean, I, I, that's what, as you say, that's opening just that extended debate. And it's like, I, who knows why I, I don't, I don't even know how to approach it, you know? Well, what I've always wondered is, or I was kind of puzzled, been puzzled by is like, well, people are like, well, if the field was eight, you'd be like upset about the ninth team. And it's like, yeah, but I'd much rather be upset about the ninth team than the right. fifth and, team. And, and furthermore, <laughs> like, if the fans and sort of supporters, you know, whether whether rationally or whatever of eight teams are happy, it's a much smaller pool of unhappy people by the time you get down to the ninth mm-hmm. team, just purely mathematically. Well, anyway, the reason that the, the, the thing that ties these things together is that i'm just kind of sad because like the redskins are mathematically eliminated so i don't really have anybody to root for in the nfl any longer i'm I'm latching on a bit to like casey and baltimore okay maybe a little to san francisco but like in a way like the nfl rooting season is over for me and then in college like now there's just really the three playoff games because i don't give a shit about the bulls at all yeah you know, it's sort of like the end of it's sort of the end. Of well, the I definitely feel myself um, my interest in Maryland basketball uh, increasing substantially. It's that we've definitely reached that well, time of year. Number number yeah. three in the country it got that kind of miracle win against yeah, Illinois, uh, which is nice because uh, although they're a good example of one where I don't like the coach, and I would be perfectly happy if the coach got fired, but I I can't quite root against them, which is good because they're also really good. But man, not sold on Mark Turgeon. Yeah, I realized this weekend that they're a very like unheralded top five team because I was talking to a pretty big college basketball fan. He's, you know, he's more ACC centric, so he's excused. But he was like, I can't name one player for Maryland. Like, why are they good? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I thought that was interesting. You know, like I was like, oh, they got this great backcourt and Jalen Smith might be a lottery pick. And, you know, like. But they're a pretty nondescript bunch from a national. Agreed. Standpoint. And what, what's even more depressing about that is it really it points out something that I was totally wrong on, which is how bad it was that they left the ACC. Um, right. I, I was always right. kind of like, whatever, who cares? And no, it, it's it, it's it's a huge mistake. It's just disastrous. Well, they left the ACC and I moved to North Carolina and it's like Maryland might as well not exist. Well, I mean, that's and that's pretty much, I think, true, not only in basketball, but in general. I don't think Maryland's a state that's like, you know real front of mind for people outside of the immediate DC metro area. Mm-hmm. Well, in, in the, oh, I, I, I should mention though, I do have something else to root for, which is the Dukes of JMU who 
played their first playoff game Saturday. It was it was Monmouth. Is that I, how you pronounce it? I think it's Monmouth. Monmouth? Monmouth? It'd be better if it was Monmouth. It sounded like a band. Um, it was tied 21-21 in the first quarter, and JMU went on to win 66-21. to uh, So that's fun. I mean, the Redskins haven't scored 66 in like Combined. Months. Combined. Um, and now they've got a Friday night lights game at home on Saturday, Friday night, uh, ESPN two. I think it's a directional Iowa team that they're playing. I'm not sure. Are you going to make a triumphant return to campus and be the creepy old guy hanging out with all the kids? <laughs> no. You... Uh, and in fact, actually what's this Friday, you know, I don't even think I'll be able to watch, uh, but I'm excited about it. Nonetheless. Well, fair enough. I will consider myself a JMU fan just by talking to you once a week. So go Dukes. All right, man. Who do the Redskins have next? Does uh, it, it, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. matter uh, and I don't remember. Is it the Giants? Who's? I have no idea. I, I literally have no idea. Let's. I, I think, don't they finish with the three AFC or NFC East teams? I think so. Hang on, I'm literally looking it up. Okay, the Eagles are next. Eagles then Giants. Okay, so Eagles. Uh, where is uh, it? It's in in Landover. Let's guess the line. Okay. Um, boy, I don't know. I mean, without having seen tonight's game, you know, it's uh, it's difficult to say. But um, nine was nine sound right? <laughs> I love it. Uh, what was what was the the Green Bay one? Like, like thirteen or fourteen or something. We were we were so oh, far God. off on that. Well, yeah, we were yeah. like eight. Or eight I was, I was lower than that. I thought that they were going to give the Redskins at least a little bit of like undue respect, but I was totally wrong. Yeah, I, I, I guess nine sounds good. I mean, home. I don't know, man. Philly kind of sucks. Yeah, but too. home is meaningless, and home is doubly meaningless when it's Philly because you could half of their fan base could drive down and get four dollar tickets to the game. I mean, it's it I think this is going to be yet another one in the long and storied history of embarrassing fan takeovers at FedEx Field. Um yeah, especially if uh if the Eagles win Monday night football or something. Excellent fun. point. I'm gonna go seven for now. Uh what I'm seeing here is wow. six. Yeah. Wow. That's um that's more respect than I would put on the Redskins for literally anything they've done. So over under a forty seven and a half. I mean, Philly's gonna have to score thirty. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> if if it goes if it goes over, then you're gonna wanna take Philly and give the points. Because if it goes over, that's all gonna be on the Philadelphia side. Yeah. I don't think the Redskins have like a twenty eight point explosion in them. Which certainly I, it sounds stupid to say, but I, I feel like Especially without Geis, it seems unlikely, doesn't it? Uh, certainly. What was? How much did they put on? They, they did put twenty nine on the Panthers, so I, I I should take that back. That was that was incredible. <laughs> yeah, was and memorable just, too. Like one of those comments that only happens like every. Yes, 30 and years. so memorable that we both forgot about it a week later. So, uh, no, seriously, they haven't scored more than they've only scored twenty points three times this season. Holy shit. Well, I, out of 13 games, they've only scored 20. I don't know if you've become aware of this in our time here analyzing this team, but they are not very good. <laughs> That's just... All right. I'm sorry. I, I need to pull myself out of this ineptitude and get into my, my regularly scheduled real life. Yeah, let, let's, let's do it. Let's keep our fingers crossed that the audio works on this episode.
All right. Thank you, Matt. Talk next week. See you.